Hello and welcome to the Capable Body Podcast, bridging the gap between healthcare providers and real people with real stories. This is your host, Matt Viegas. Joining us today is a very special guest, doctor of physical therapy, <laughs> Will Boyd, who played a huge role in making this podcast launch successful. So without further ado, Will, can you quickly introduce yourself for the listeners? Yeah. First off, thanks, Matt, for, for having me. Uh, it's, it's an honor. I'm so pumped to see uh, how quickly this podcast is growing, and, and I'm excited that you have hit the ground running. You've had some incredible guests on. Um, but a little yeah. bit about me. I'm, I'm a physical therapist, uh, recently uh, licensed. I have been working in home health for the past, shoot, I guess it's been over three months now. Um, it's my uh-huh. first physical therapy job. And uh, yeah, and then on the side, I have a few projects that uh, I work on. And have a couple of podcasts myself that that I uh, host, and that's pretty much it. It's been just a busy time getting used to uh, adjusting to full time physical therapy life uh, while trying to keep you know a little bit of a side hustle going on the going on as well. So that's me. I'm I'm 30 years old. I uh, yeah. live in Pittsburgh, and uh, yeah, just trying to figure out life. Yeah, that's awesome. That's exciting. How you just have so much going on, and so. Bringing it back to the origins, what was your original why for getting into the field of physical therapy? Yeah, that's a great question. So for for me, a little bit of an interesting story. I uh, after college, I didn't know what I wanted to do, uh, and to be honest, I hated science as a kid. I really like I, I avoided <laughs> science like the plague. I thought it was. Uh, I just for some reason never connected with me, and I viewed it as this really difficult thing, and. Um, don't get me wrong, I still do at times, but uh, no, I, I wanted to go to, I didn't know what I wanted to do uh, after college. So I graduated a degree in international studies in Spanish. Uh, I took a job to go teach English in Spain for a few years. Nice. And while I was there, I uh, studied for the LSAT and took the LSAT, which is the law school um, entrance exam. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I did okay. I didn't do great, but I did okay enough that I could have gotten into schools. But, uh, during that process, I found myself very depressed, uh, sitting and studying all the time. Yeah. And I kind of thought about what my job would be. And I had a friend at the time who was in law school and, uh, he was kind of down about what his job was going to be and that he thought he was going to be essentially sitting and reading contracts or, uh, writing for 50, 60, 70 hours a week. If you're, if you're a new lawyer, like you're trying to work your way into a firm or work your way up. And mm-hmm. I thought, you know, as someone who, uh, so a little bit about me, I've, I've dealt with anxiety and, and, and generalized anxiety and then some specific more nuanced anxiety and depression, um, for over a decade at least. And, and yeah. probably, probably even longer, uh, and one of the ways that I've been able to monitor that and manage it is through exercise. And I just saw my life becoming a lawyer uh, as sort of giving that up. And that's not to say there aren't lawyers right. who keep a healthy lifestyle. For me, I just thought it was going to be tough. And so that's kind of my why and where it started. My why was to find something that would allow me to live an active life to sort of keep managing my anxiety and depression. And mm-hmm. I started Googling, what should I do with my life? You know, what should I do with my career? And 
And I always joke that Google is an incredible uh, counselor and therapist. It, always... <laughs> it has the answer. Is this just, what can you ask them for? <laughs> I know it leads you, Hey, it leads you down a path to at least resources to help you figure it out. And uh, so I took all these tests. I took the Briggs Myers test and then I took these kind of, mm-hmm. you know, personalized, what does your personality set you up for success in terms of a career for him? It all kept pointing to either the medical field or like, uh, some type of management role. And, and I just was like, ah, management doesn't sound fun. Um, <laughs> and so I, I applied to, uh, or I, I kept digging further. Physical therapy was, uh, got me really interested because I, I'd only seen a physical therapy once, physical therapist once in my life right. uh, for an ankle sprain. So I didn't know a lot about it, but I knew that it was pretty cool. The guy worked in a gym and uh, he he seemed pretty active, and I was like, you know, that kind of lines up. And so I, I decided to go back to school and uh, took the prereqs and, and got into PT school. And that was, uh, yeah, that's really my why uh, on why I wanted to become a, a physical therapist. Yeah, that's really cool. And so can you talk a little bit more about your student experience? I know it was three months ago and a little bit before that, but uh, just as a deep PT student, um, like your your story, especially with your anxiety and uh, just managing that through the DPT program. Yeah, it. Uh, so I, I always like to think that anxiety is. Uh, it's usually it can be provoked by certain things, but I think you know for a lot of people, it's it's more of this kind of constant thing that's there and it's just a matter of a threshold of if if it gets too high or or if you can stay below this threshold that's unbearable at least for me and and a lot of friends that I've talked to who who struggle with the same issues uh they kind of liken it to that as well and that it's not like it's like oh it's 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 gone now and now I just you know every once in a while I get anxiety it's it's more you you sort of live in this anxious state and maybe it's a heightened sensitivity state Mm. I, I I don't really know um I, I'm a, I study and read a lot about it, but uh, I still think it's so personal that trying to generalize uh, these things like anxiety and depression is, is very difficult. So I try to stay away from uh, trying to generalize those things because I, I just I think it's impossible. It's so personal. But yeah. to, to your question with, uh, with uh, the PT school, so um, I, uh, I, I really, I really struggled. I felt uh, inferior a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't feel very uh, confident. Uh, I still don't at times, uh, but uh, I didn't feel very confident as a student, uh, mainly because I didn't have a background in science. I mean, I took the prerequisite classes, but I wasn't, uh, I hadn't had years and years of, of understanding some of these concepts. Right. So I found, again, I found luckily with PT school, we had time. And so I still continued to use movement as my main source of battling anxiety. Um, combined with preparation, I tried to prepare as much as I could um, to, so when it came time to really high anxiety times, like test taking times or practicals mm-hmm. or uh, you know, some places call them competencies or, or whatever it was, uh, you know, those moments of, hey, this is sort of make or break, I would use exercise and then just sort of extreme, extreme preparation, trying to be very prepared. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's kind of how I, how I managed it. Um, and it's, it's, it was an ebb and flow, right? I think there's probably a lot of people out there who, um, it's just a really stressful environment. And I don't think it's stressful in the sense that 
it's too much for people in the sense of like, you're not capable of it. And that's why it provokes anxiety, but it's the societal pressure around it that mm. you're in this program and there's this expectation that you've set for yourself and probably that other people have set for you. And that's all just sort of weighing on you. What if I fail? What if I fail? And what's really interesting is looking back, like, even if I were to have failed PT school, and, and there was a time where I thought about uh, dropping out, and that's a, that's a different story, but uh -huh. um, even if I had failed, you know, really, like, I had failed going for a doctorate degree. You know, it's not like I didn't do anything. You know, it's not like, oh, Will Will's a failure because he just never did anything. Like, you know, it's, it's interesting mm -hmm. how we view these things in our own uh, minds and, and, and when we put it into perspective, right? Like, you would never say to the person who tried to, to get to the moon that, hey, man, you only made it to the first star that you saw or you only made it to the first satellite and you didn't make it to the moon. Like, you're a failure, right? You'd mm -hmm. be like, that's still pretty amazing. You made it really, really far. Like, I don't think anyone would have expected you to even get that close. Right. And so it's just this sort of like anxiety that we, we've, it, a lot of it, I think, is societally induced. Um, mm -hmm. So that's, that's my sort of experience with, with anxiety in PT school. Yeah, that's cool. And so do you want to talk a little bit about, um, I guess, what sort of led you to starting up your podcast? Yeah, sure. So I host uh, two podcasts. I host the uh, the Nobody's podcast. It's uh, I guess on iTunes it's called Two Nobody's Talking. I've been trying to figure out forever how to change it, and I still can't seem to do it. Um, so if anyone's out there and you use iTunes, let me know if you know how to change uh, podcast titles. But uh, so I host the Nobody's podcast and the Breaking Student Debt podcast, and uh, yeah, they both started because originally I wanted to write a blog about how to help young uh, men in particular, anywhere from like 15 to 30 years old, kind of going through this transition and exactly like we were talking about before, kind of helping out with this, uh, these topics of anxiety, depression, you know, what it is mm -hmm. to the expectations of a young man these days. Uh, how do we, you know, start improving self-positive talk? How do we start incorporating self-positive talk and, and, and empowering concepts to our young men? I think it's an area that we're really struggling with in society. Um, and I can relate to that myself. And so that's where, that's what started everything. Uh, and then what I realized is I actually didn't really like blogging. Like I did, but it just took a lot of time. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so I recruited a friend to help do, uh, the fitness side of stuff for the blog that we were going to start. Nice. And we just both were like, you know, it's just going to take a lot of time. It's just so much easier when we talk to each other. And I'd been a big listener of podcasts for a while. I'd been listening to Tim Ferriss's podcast. Mm -hmm. uh, listen to uh, Radio Lab, uh, NPR, uh, all the NPR uh, podcasts. So that's where that's where the ideas started. And then we thought, well, what can we talk about? We're like, well, we're students, so you know we can't really we don't want to just come out and talk about being experts on something. So we thought, well, what if we just try to interview people who who are you know in this world of trying to make society a healthier place and. We wanted to bridge the gap between not just physical therapy because I think there's so yeah. much to learn from other professions, uh, and we we as PTs tend to just zoom right into PT. Yep. And so we wanted to to do that, and so that's what that started. And then the Breaking Student Debt podcast just came purely out of me, uh, <laughs> like uh, yeah. six months yeah. before graduating, starting to freak out about these uh, student loans that I had, and 
and not really knowing what to do about it or how to do it or how to come up with a plan other than the, you know, I don't know about your school, but ours gave yeah. us an all of a one and a half hour lecture on, hey, here's how you manage money. And I was like, man, yeah. that's not going to cut it for what I need. Like I'm looking at an entire mortgage essentially. So if anyone's out there, I have $160,000 in student loan debt. Also, if you if you would like to donate to Matt or I's student loan fund, please feel free to donate. Um, but uh, yeah, so that's what that started. So I thought maybe I can interview people who have figured out how to get out of debt or who have who have uh, eliminated their debt quickly. It's been fun. It's it's something that for me, I, I do it more as a documentation uh, style podcast where I try to keep people updated on what I'm learning from the people I'm interviewing and then how I'm actually trying to implement it. And uh, it's been. It's been good. It's been interesting. It keeps me accountable having the podcast. Otherwise, uh -huh. I think there'd be times where I'd probably just uh, kind of try to pretend I knew what I was doing instead of realizing like, hey, I've got I've got this this audience that that is interested and I need to to stay focused and accountable. So that's where it all started. Honestly, I think a lot of it, uh, I don't know, Matt, how you feel about it. But for me, yeah. like the podcasting side of stuff came from, I needed a creative outlet. I was just so burnt out at school of of reading uh, anatomy, physiology, things that are, are wonderful, but like just didn't have a lot of, you don't have a lot of creative outlet, right? I'm not going to change mm -hmm. musculature. I'm not going to change the bones in your body. You know, there's, there's only so much room for creativity and even with exercise, which I love, and you can be so creative with exercise. There's still a point at which, you know, creativity kind of runs, I won't say runs out, but it becomes much harder to find, um, and I needed something, I needed something to stay stimulated to, to challenge myself. And so that's where the podcasting came from. And, and I don't know if, if, uh, I don't know if you feel the same way. Is that kind of where, where the, the capable yeah. body came from? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess so. Just, um, yeah, just like how, uh, how you were saying with like society, how it just feels feels like there's there's some things that just aren't clicking <laughs> just having to share like this different different side that people aren't quite aware of so yeah it's been really exciting so far and, and yeah one of the one of the things that I've been worrying about which I'm sure you did uh, at the time is like board exams and so like with so listeners for physical therapists we take something called the MPTE uh, that's our board exam in order to obtain licensure and so, Will, like for yourself, um, especially because you had anxiety, like what were some of the things that you did to approach the the inevitable NPTE? <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, you know, to be completely transparent, it was rough. Like I, there were a lot of days where I just, uh, I didn't feel like I had it. And it's so overwhelming. You, you give you this book and you're trying to think about all the knowledge you've learned, uh, or you should have learned, I guess, uh, over the last three years. And it's intimidating. I mean, to think about all of that knowledge that you're trying to, to cram into your brain. I, I mean, honestly, the, the best thing that helped me for studying for the board exam was having something else to focus on besides the board exam. Mm -hmm. So the podcasting actually really, really helped. Like I spent probably most of my morning working on the podcast, whether it was editing podcasts or trying to recruit guests or, uh, I don't know, trying to create content for it. Um, 
And then my afternoons would be dedicated to studying. And I would meet up with two friends, and uh, and I think they could tell you. Uh, one of them was my, my co-host, Nick, who yep. uh, could tell you that uh, there were a lot of frustrating days where it just didn't feel like things were clicking or it was really overwhelming. You know, no one really walks you through exactly what you need to study. Um, and, and I don't know that anyone can because it's such a personal process as well. Mm-hmm. But so we, we took the, we essentially would go through practice tests. We got our hands on as many practice tests as we could. Uh, and then we'd, I took them, uh, I took two in a like private setting. Like I got a room in a library where no one could interrupt me and took them like I would take the actual exam. And that really helped just from a time management standpoint. Yeah. But I think overall, uh, the, the, in terms of anxiety, it was tough. I tried to, I forced myself to remember to exercise. And I feel really, really lucky that exercise for me has just always been something that, uh, don't get me wrong, there are days where I don't feel like it, but for the yeah. most part, it's it's something that I, I look forward to and I enjoy and that I know it's it's something productive that I can do. And I know that I'm, you know, it's an instant reward kind of thing. Like I know I put in work today. Like you, your body tells you whether you worked hard or not. Whereas a textbook can't give you that feedback, right? There's no, mm-hmm. like, I'm mentally drained. I think I did really well. Like, there's no mental sweat that drips off, like physical sweat, where you're like, I know I worked hard today. I put in the work. Mm-hmm. So prepping for that exam was uh, a lot of focusing on exercising. And I think the key for me was having something else. So you're, so that way your entire day isn't based around studying. Because if you say, I'm going to study for eight hours a day, I have met a few people who can do it and I'm totally blown away at how they're able to do it. Um, but I think just knowing yourself is so important. I knew for me, like if I just sat there and knew I had to study for eight hours, I wasn't going to retain a lot of information. I needed concentrated blocks of time. Um, so for me that was critical and, and everyone's different, but for me, that's, that's how I found my ability to, to focus. And, and I'll be honest, I'm not a great student. I'm not a great, uh, test taker, uh, especially standardized test taker, uh, mm-hmm. tests. But, uh, you know, I took the two practice exams and I both, and both of them, I was in the passing range and kind of put it up to the, left it there. Like, you know, if, if I'm good enough with these and hopefully I'm good enough with the, the board exam and turned out to be the case. And, uh, so that, that was my strategy. Nothing, nothing, you know, mind blowing, but for me, it was sticking to my, my roots of, of exercising and, limiting the stressful periods to just short amounts of time. Right. Cool. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. And so for for you now, looking back over these past three months, um, I guess what are some of the, the things you didn't expect and uh, I guess where are you going from here? Yeah, it's been interesting. So now I'm I'm working. I work in what's a setting called home health. So if anyone's out there and, and isn't familiar with, uh, let's say, uh, the rehab world or physical therapy world, uh, home health is where someone goes to, I go to someone's home. And for the most part, people are technically what we call homebound and that they're not able to leave their, their home without assistance. And so I've been doing that for three months. It's my first uh, paid physical therapy job. And uh, it's been really interesting. You know, I love patient care. What I'm learning is I really love being with people and helping people. Mm-hmm. Um, what I'm also realizing is that's only a very small part of our job. And uh, it's become, uh, I hate to say it, but it's become really frustrating. I hope it's okay to be transparent here. It's been yeah. uh, It's been very frustrating uh, to the point that uh, I, I really 
don't enjoy a lot of what I do right now. A lot of what I do is uh, paperwork, uh, writing down things that I see, calling doctors, nurses, uh, other you know, uh, other disciplines that are seeing these patients. Some, some cases I've been like someone's caseworker, mm. uh, trying to figure out, I have, I have two patients who are homeless right now, Matt. So that's been wow. kind of crazy, which I didn't know that you could go to someone's home when they're technically homeless. But, uh, so it's been, it's been really, really interesting. Um, to the point that, to, to your next question, what's coming next? Uh, I would love to not work full time as a physical therapist. I really enjoy it. But what I'm learning is that yeah. I'm an I'm an extroverted introvert, and so for me, I have a very uh, what I'm learning about myself is that I have a fine window of like when I'm with someone, I'm I'm all in and I'm emotionally and mentally all in. But as mm-hmm. soon as that's done, I'm I'm drained from one-on-one interaction. Like there's no, hey, I'm kind of here, you're here. You know, I, I'm you know I'm just gonna type stuff while I'm here. Like I for me, it's just the way that my personality is. Is as an introvert, I just sit and I analyze a lot. But I also have this extroverted aspect of me that I can communicate with people. Mm-hmm. I'm learning that the way that our system is built right now, that doesn't really work for a lot of. Uh, places in physical therapy, which are becoming more about productivity, uh, yeah. seeing more and more people. And for someone who's who's got more introverted tendencies like me, um, you know, and I've really struggled because I, I've always thought about other people saying, well, you just need to suck it up or you need to, you know, that's just how it is. Like you need to, you, you, whatever, figure it out. And, and uh, you know, I guess there's a part of that, but the more I, I've gotten older and, and sort of reflected on who I am and, and what my personality is like, you know, it's not like I'm just being, I don't feel like I'm being lazy and saying, oh, I just, I don't want to work that much. For me, it's it's not mm-hmm. about that. It's that I have a, a window of very intense um, energy that I give to people. And then once that's over, I still want to work really, really hard just on these more introverted, creative projects. Like that's yeah. what my, my personality is. Uh, I've met some people and have friends who are in the profession, I'm sure you've seen them as well, who could just talk to people all day all mm-hmm. day and, and they feed off of talking to people, they feed off that energy. And I think it's awesome. I think they, they thrive in those settings where, you know, hey, we need you to see 18, 20 people a day. And for them, it's like, that's that's the the what what fuels their fire. It's like a concept yeah. shot of Red Bull all day. Like, yeah, give me another, <laughs> yeah. more per, another person. It's great. We need those people. We need so many of those people. Uh, I'm just learning more and more about myself and that I, I am definitely um, an extroverted introvert. So I'm an introvert at heart. And I am realizing I'm entering into a system that doesn't really want that. It wants you to see as many people as you can, so you can make your company as much money as you can, and you don't get paid any more for how good you are as a physical therapist. Right. Uh, you get paid pretty much on how many people you can see, and that's not yep. the case everywhere. But that's that's still I think the 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 way the system works, and and it's really hard. I've tried to not really talk about it too much because I feel like I'm still really new and uh, I think it comes off as whining, but uh, I've realized I'm a really hard worker. I just prefer to work more more of my energy in a uh, quiet environment for my Mm -hmm. mind and then have these short bouts of intense emotional energy with a patient. And so for Mm -hmm. me, that's, uh, 
that's what the past three months have been like. It's been eye-opening. I'm, I'm currently trying to figure out any way I can to uh, take other ideas that I have to create enough of an income. It's not about making money, but enough of an income that I can walk away from a full-time job as a PT and go to part-time or PRN. So I can still have that and enjoy those moments of patient care, which I really, really love. Yeah. I'm just finding that that's not the majority of what my job is anymore. The majority of my job is uh, documenting things that I see. Right, right. And um, someone would say, we'll go to outpatient orthopedics, which is, if you're not from the physical therapy world, is more less paperwork, home health, you know, because you're going into someone's home, there's a lot more paperwork. But even where yes. I've been in outpatient orthopedics in my clinical rotations, which three of my clinical rotations were outpatient orthopedics, and I'd say it's where my heart is still... It's still the majority of the job. I talked to two of my friends last night. It was a Friday mm -hmm. night and both of them were doing documentation until 11.30 p.m. last night. And Oof. one of them is still spending most of today, he texted me earlier this morning, it's 12.30 Eastern time that he's been doing documentation for the past two hours after wow. we did yesterday. So uh, I know people will say it will get better, but the reality is I think the way the system is, it's making a lot of us want to leave the profession full-time and find a way Ooh. to substitute what we're doing. So I hope it's okay to be transparent. I, I know yes. it's probably not yes, what people yes. want to hear, but uh, that's that's kind of the reality that I've been facing. And, and I hope it doesn't come off as, uh, you know, whining or, or wanting to like not work hard. Like I, I find that I work 70, 80 hours a week when it's for myself and what I want to do. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I find that I, I dread working the 40 hours for someone else when, it's not doing much of really what I would like to do. But that's right. on me, right? That's on me. So it's just a lot of self-awareness, figuring out that's what I want. Um, so I hope this isn't a, uh, you know, just wine fest for me. Uh, <laughs> I am trying to do other things on the side to help create the the life that I want. So uh, yeah, that's that's how it is. It's, it's always uh, mixed feelings for me to open up about it just because, uh, right. you know, it's, it's such a, I still love the profession. I just, I just, would love to be able to do it in a different way than what's expected of us. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to throw a little curveball at you. Yeah. When you were teaching in Spain and, and traveling, how did those experiences, those experiences before PT school shape you and, and affect your career now? Tremendously. Yeah. I, I would say that um, the biggest Man, if there's one thing I could ever tell anyone who has an interest in getting out or seeing the world is do it. Whatever whatever it takes, go do it. And if you can go live somewhere for even two, three months, I think the one thing I learned is that, you know, we have all these expectations of the world and what we see on media and, and what we should, you know, what, what the world looks like through a, a television screen or a computer screen. And uh, and you have all these ideas of like poverty, for example, right? Like when I was in Brazil um, for a while, I just saw like really, really intense poverty. And it just puts things into perspective. Like, yeah, like, you know, and, and I'll tell you the coolest thing was is like, so I got to spend a lot of time in South America and uh, I lived in South America for a year uh, during college and I, uh, I got to see what life was like for people who really were in, in uh, not so good economical situations. And, you know, the coolest thing, Matt, is that 
everyone was so nice and no one really like obviously they wanted more they wanted to mm-hmm. to have less worry about buying food but you know it's every time i would go over it's hey can i get you some water can i get you can i make you food yeah and um so it really shaped me in what i thought about um life and and i'll tell you one thing too as a physical therapist how it really shaped me is i noticed that people in South America and then in Europe, we're just much more active in general. Like I played in these, uh, so I'm a, I'm a huge soccer player. I love playing soccer. Yeah. I've played my entire life. Um, still play competitively to this day. Um, in fact, we have a game tomorrow. I'm hoping I'll be playing the full <laughs> 90 minutes. Uh, we'll see. Nice, if good luck. <laughs> Thank you. We'll see if my ni- if my 30 year old legs can can handle an entire 90 minutes. But uh, I learned that. You know, I would go, and so I played in these uh, amateur leagues in Madrid when I lived in Madrid, and in South America. I played in, uh, and in, when I lived in Chile for um, ten months, I played in uh, like competitive pickup stuff, pickup games, and and people of sixty, seventy years old were out there playing and and yeah, and keeping up. Like right, they weren't they weren't sprinting by people, but they held their own. They were moving, and I thought like that's so cool to watch them do these things were, were something that I'm learning, you know, more and more about doing like just the amount of hip abduction, internal rotation, external rotation, yes. just the way your hips have to bend when you do something like soccer. Like I, I love running, running's great, but running is very, um, you know, very straight. It's, it's often yes. very straight, right? There's, we're in this w- kind of one plane a lot of the time. Um, whereas something like, uh, more dynamic, like basketball or soccer or you name it, or dancing, mm-hmm. right? Dancing makes you have to open up your hips and, and move in different ways, which we know is so important for balance. And uh, that time abroad really shaped my thinking of like, what's important when it comes to health, right? Like I wasn't having to, I look back and I wasn't having to, like it didn't even cross my mind. Obesity didn't cross my mind very often. Like you just right. don't see obese people. And they're, they're don't get me wrong, there are. But, you know, the first thing I always notice when I come back to the States from traveling abroad is like just how many overweight people we have and not just like kind of overweight, but like really, really out of shape, overweight uh, people in our, in this country. And like, it's always shocking. It's, and it's every time it's the first thing that I notice, you're like, man, yeah. I, I guess I just didn't see that when I was abroad. And so it's really made me think like, what's important about health and wellness? Is it? So for me, it kind of ties into physical therapy and I've really thought a lot about what is it that I want to do in this profession. And for me, it's, I'm a huge, I'm a huge believer in that we will always need reactionary care. People will always get injured because we live active lives. Yep. We'll need the recovery process, right? And it's always great to have someone there to help you through the recovery process. Um, but what's been really interesting to me, Matt, is now I go into people's homes and I, to be honest, a lot of them have, I mean, really almost all of them that I see have two, three self-induced, uh, self-induced diseases in the sense of like, uh, morbid obesity or type two diabetes, uh, sometimes congestive heart failure due to, uh, lifestyle choices. Right. Um, and I think, you know, even if that person had back pain, for example, right? Like maybe I can reduce their back pain, but I'm not really helping to fight any of these lifestyle behaviors that are leading to the real problem. And that's a shortened life due to being morbidly obese or, yep. you know, not having a good quality of life for the last 10, 15 years of life because of um, having congestive heart failure or COPD. And so, 
these are, I mean, that's where it's really got me thinking, like, I want to be on the side of things where it's more, how do we help shift society? Like, how do we get into school systems? How do we get into people's workplaces? I'm really fascinated by, you know, where is the one place that people always go at least four, five, six days out of the week? Mm -hmm. Work, right? You can't really not go to work for most people. You can say you should go to the gym, but if you don't go to the gym, it's not going to affect your your day-to-day, you know, income or life or decision-making, right? Mm-hmm. You can say, hey, you should, uh, you know, you should go uh, take this dance class or, or anything. And and you can easily brush it off. But one thing that the, the area that people can't really afford to not go to is work. And so I'm really fascinated, like, how do we get to where people are? How do we get to into their workplace and keep them yeah. moving? Because... Like, Matt, if you and I saw someone for, let's say we're lucky and we get to see someone for an hour, yeah, you know, that's one hour of a 23-hour day. Maybe you see them two times a week. That's two hours in a in a week, right, that you have an opportunity to influence someone. And I'm not saying that that's not important. You can do a lot in that time. But imagine if we can start getting in where people are forced to be seven, right. eight, nine, ten hours a day, and we have an ability to help just shift their their behavior during that day. And if you think like over time, how much more influence that could have, I guess that's where I've been leaning and that's where I'm going. That's what I'm more excited about. I don't really know how to do it economically in terms of making an income at this point, but people out there like Mike Eisenhart, who's phenomenal doing things like that. uh, Those are the people I'm really interested in. It's made me really uh, want to, I guess that's a part of where I, where I'm struggling right now is I want to get to that side of healthcare and Mm -hmm. Uh, get out of sort of more reactionary care. Um, But so my time abroad really affected me in in that way, like to see, you know, as in America, we don't really have adult recreational sport leagues. You know, maybe there's softball, uh, but there's no, you know, there's no flag football for 50 and over leagues. Like maybe Mm -hmm. if you're in New York or San Francisco or LA, maybe. Um, But, you know, an everyday community, it's just not really there from what I've seen. And so right. like, how do we do that? Because those are things that can just really keep someone healthy or keep them moving or have better quality of life over the last two, three decades of their lives. Um, sorry, I rambled a lot, but that's that's how it's affected uh, me and my time just, just living abroad. And I always recommend if anyone ever has an, any inkling to want to live abroad or travel abroad, to just to just do it it's it's amazing you'll find that the world is full of so many more good people than bad people and and it's uh it's good to see things from a different perspective yeah that was perfect and so do you have any parting words for the listeners could be about anything uh i would say uh you know I guess it all comes down to, for me, a lot about just self-awareness. And, and, and it it's taken me a solid 30 years to sort of figure out who I am and, and what I want out of life and, and kind of what my goals are. And and the cool thing about life is in two years from now, they'll probably be different than they are today. But I really, really recommend, um, not even recommend, but if, if you're curious and you feel like you're struggling out there or you're in school and you're, and you're going through a tough time, um, you know, number one, just be kind to yourself. It's okay. It's okay to to not be perfect, to not get an A on a test, to not 
pass a practical exam. If, you know, if you're out there and you're listening, um, you know, I don't know that anyone should ever look up to me as the ideal student, but you know, uh -huh. I failed, I failed two, three practicals. I think I failed two tests, uh, in PT school. So, and I made it through. And, and so you can, you can do it. And then you know what? It doesn't define you. I've never had to tell my GPA to anyone. I don't even, I don't even know what it is to be honest. Um, yeah. but what I, what I would say is, you know, if, if you feel like you're struggling in your loss, uh, one of my favorite things that, uh, a famous speaker talks about, his name is Jim Rohn talks a lot about is, uh, you know, you have to, uh, if you want to become wealthy, spend less time on, on working on your job and spend more time working on yourself. And I think that's just so true. Just, you know, try to love yourself and know what you want to be, what you want to do. Um, you don't have to know the answers, but the more that you kind of go through that process, I think the, the more that you'll end up being happy in life. And, and I'm no expert on being happy in life, but I think it's, uh, <laughs> I think it's very important. So that would be my, those would be my parting words. Be kind to yourself, love yourself, um, try to understand yourself more and more. Yeah, beautiful. So where can people find you on social media, website and whatnot? Yeah, I so I'll give you all the the I'll pass the, all the links on to you. Definitely yeah, go I'll, to I'll definitely, put it in the description. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely go to the capable body first. Um so that way Matt Matt knows that people are checking him out. Um but you can follow me on uh Twitter at uh W underscore C underscore Boyd. Um uh, actually, it's a lie. I think it's, you know what? I'll send you, I forget what my Twitter is, but on Twitter <laughs> for okay. podcasting, you can follow at two nobodies, uh, T-W-O-K-N-O-W-B-O-D-I-E-S. Uh, and if you just Twitter breaking student debt, I'll pop up, uh, same with Facebook and Twitter. If you type in the nobodies podcast or breaking student debt podcast, or if you, if you have questions and want to email me, you can email me at will at willboydpt.com. I'm always happy to to try to help in any way I can. And, and I love um, chatting with people. I always find that I learn more from people than I think I, I, ha I have to give to them. So um, yeah, always open, always happy to talk about anything. And, and it's a pleasure to be here, Matt. Thanks for doing what you're doing. Yeah, sweet. Thanks again for uh, helping this podcast launch be a success. And listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. Hope to catch you in the next episode.